Welcome to The Fadeaway with Dion Thomas and Eric Schmidt. I'm Eric Schmidt, and today I have the pleasure of sitting next to two of the all-time best players in Illinois history. Of course, Dion is the school's all-time leading scorer, and we are joined by 15-year NBA veteran Kendall Gill, who was a starter on the 89 Final Four team and Illini team captain the following year. First off, though, I have to congratulate you on being selected to the NBA 2K all-time <laughs> Charlotte Hornets <laughs> roster. That's the second team you're on in that video game, along with the all-time Illini team. So this is the most important question I'm going to ask you today. Right. When do you break out the PS4 to play as yourself and drop 60 on Jordan on that 95 team? <laughs> actually, I don't know how to play. Uh, my kids know how to play. Uh, actually, my, my, my son Phoenix, is uh, he wants me to get him a new... Uh, I guess PS4, is that what you call it? Yep, yep. See, that shows you how old I am. <laughs> oh, I man. You uh, buy him a Nintendo or the original Sega uh, off of Craigslist? Yeah, maybe? yeah. Show him what you, you grew up on? <laughs> that's what exactly. I mean. No, Atari, actually. <laughs> you know, that's we can go up Space Invaders. We can go all the way back there. But, um, you know, I'm going to buy him one and then see what it's like. Actually, I was just in Las Vegas uh, in my, my at my brother's house, and um, his son has a new uh, PS4, and they were playing... Uh, the NBA 2K game with me on it. So, you know, I mean, I, I sat there and watched it for a little bit, you know, so it was pretty cool. But Phoenix has one coming. Back in the day, we used to play, so I lived with Gary Volker, who was a punt returner at Illinois, and uh, they didn't use names for the NFL college game, but they had numbers, and Gary was on it, and our goal every day when we come home is try to injure him on punt returns <laughs> when he walk in from class. Exactly. Yeah, on the, on the okay. Sorry, Gary, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, so great to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, no you guys, man, you guys have a lot of things to talk about. I, I, I can't wait. I'm going to be a fly on the wall as usual. Well, that, that's a good thing. Be the fly on the wall. No, but KG, I appreciate it, man. You uh, allowing us to come in and be able to sit down and, and speak with you. And yeah. you, you know, Eric mentioned that we're you're one of the greatest. I can tell you, that it's it's a push between you and Nick. Of course, <laughs> of course Nick went to high school. I went to high school with Nick. Right. But you two, anytime I speak with anyone and they ask me who who's the best player mm -hmm. to have uh, come through Illinois, and I say, yeah, well, you know, I have the record. Uh -huh. But I wasn't the best player, uh -huh. and I don't have a problem admitting that. You and Nick were were right up there at the top for me, uh -huh. and and we were talking earlier off campus, I mean off um, the mic, about one of the regrets of of when I went to school. Yeah. And it was not being able to play with you and the guys that were left over mm -hmm. from that eighty that eighty nine flying the line I team because mm -hmm. of the the violations. Right, um, and I, I appreciate that, Dion. But you know, we we can put. You know, all the speculation to rest. Nick was the best player to play <laughs> at, at Illinois. I mean, he just was, you know, yeah. I mean, physically. He was the same size since he'd been in the eighth grade. Yeah, know? that he was. 6'6", <laughs> <laughs> six, six, 225 pounds with all that athleticism. And uh, he was just a man amongst boys, you know, and um, only played at Illinois for, for two years, of course, because of his freshman year he had to sit out. But, you know, had he played his senior year, you know, and, and you had come on your freshman year, definite trip back to the Final Four, and perhaps uh, us getting a national championship, uh, much like we should have gotten our, our junior year. Right. But, you know, unfortunately it didn't happen. But, you know, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I loved all my years at Illinois. I, I loved the legacy that we left. Of course, you left a great legacy being an all-time leading scorer and, and, and one of the greats at Illinois. So, you know, I, when I think back, and you know, some sometimes you know those classic games come on with 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 Illinois and Michigan in the Final Four, and you know I'm, I think back, uh, it still bothers me to this day. You know that, yeah. that we didn't win that national championship, and uh, 
Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but hopefully now, uh, you know, we can we can open up the pipeline again mm-hmm. uh, with a new era starting with Illinois basketball and, and perhaps win that national championship someday. Oh, that, that'd be great. Of course, we are all rooting for Coach Underwood. And, yep. and of course, my, my boy Chin is on that staff, so yeah. you know I'm pushing for him. And, mm-hmm. and um, I think they're heading in the right direction, mm-hmm. you know. One of the biggest things, and a lot of people always – always talk about was when that pipeline broke we kind of lost that lineage of getting the mr basketballs from the state of illinois mm-hmm. we'll get one this year yeah you know, and mark smith have, yeah. have you had an opportunity to see i him saw play? i saw mark uh play a number of times last year uh, i actually saw him when i was down in my golf tournament i was getting ready for for the big three uh, i was over at the practice facility practicing and i saw him um you know he has a he has a nba body already yes. you know and he's it took me four years to get a body like that, you know, and I'm not quite sure I was at his level when when I left uh, the University of Illinois, but he seems like he's game ready, uh, seems like he's eager to learn, um, and I'm glad that he chose to stay home. You know, it's about time that we got one of our, our homegrown talents to stay. Yeah, I think I'm hoping that he's uh, one in the next few that, that does mm-hmm. that, but he is. He's from that Edwardsville area. I live mm-hmm. down there. Uh, mm-hmm. His dad his dad was actually a pretty good friend of mine. We used to work out together in oh, the gym. Okay. So right. I'd always see him bring little Mark in there. Yeah. And, and you watch him play. And he was a baseball player. So you, you, you never thought that he would blossom into what he has a, as a basketball player. Right. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad he stayed home. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully we can get a few more of those guys to, to do the same. Because, you know, like I know, there's a pride in, in putting that eye on oh, yeah, and, and being able man. to play for those guys. Yeah, and listening to that fight song when you run out of that tunnel. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I actually keep it on my phone. You know, when I need to get hyped up, I'll play it. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, you know, and, and my sons know it already and everything. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I just can't fathom what would have happened had we been able to, to retain all the homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. We had Derrick Rose. Jaleel Okafor, Jabari Parker, uh, Shire, yes. Corey Maggette, you know, like you were saying earlier, Michael Finley, Juwan, Juwan Howard, Howard, yeah. All these guys <laughs> right here in our own backyard, you know. And, and, you know, people may speculate, well, why didn't uh, it happen? You know, why, why did the pipeline, why was the pipeline broken? Well, you know, it's because, and, and here's the real reason, is because when Coach Henson uh, retired, Jimmy Collins, who was responsible for actually bringing all of us uh, to the University of Illinois, was not given the head coaching job. Yes. And, and, and that's why. Uh, you know, if, if he had have been given the head coaching job, I could see four or five national championships, you know, by now. I agree. Possibly even more. I agree. And so. that's actually what we, we, we just had Coach C on. And so mm-hmm. we had, we were talking to him, and that was one of the things that I expressed to him. And, and mm-hmm. as great as our university is and the basketball program is, it's that way really because of him. Yeah, and, it is. And, and because yeah. of that time that he brought in, I think it was four or five Mr. Basketballs in a row. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then that's not to, you know, you were one of the top players in the state. Steve was one of the top players mm-hmm. in the state. So it wasn't just the the Mr. Basketball. He was bringing in the yeah, neck, another two and the yeah. number three best players in the state right, over yeah. and over again. Uh, over and over again. And, uh, you know, it, it's something about him. Like when, when I was being recruited by Illinois, as soon as they called me, I knew, you know, yes. okay, that's, that's where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's something about – you know, watching the state tournament at the Assembly Hall, well, which yeah. is not a State Farm Center, but 
watching it back then at the assembly hall and then getting a phone call from Coach yes. Henson or Coach Collins. You know, you know, okay, man, that's it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going. You know, and I remember I was being recruited heavily by Michigan State, and and when I chose Illinois, actually, uh, Judd Heathcote, you know, may he rest in peace, he just passed away yes. a couple of days ago. Great man, great coach. He called me, and he said, Kendall, you, you're going to – if you go there, you're going to sit on the bench. They got, they're loaded. They got to, I was like, yeah, I know, Coach. I was like, but this is where I feel I need to be, you yes. know, the, you know, at, at Illinois. I said, I'm going to just work harder than everybody else. That's how I'm going to get my playing time. And that's what happened, you know, and I'm, I'm glad I, I made my choice. I'm glad I didn't wear the green there and white. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I can, you know I can agree with yeah, you on yeah, that. Yeah. I can contest it. With, and, and that was one of those things for me, I, and I agree with you. My junior year when I went down state and we had the opportunity to play in Assembly Hall, mm-hmm. I was blown away first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And watching, you know, the years as they were coming up with Ephraim Winters and, yep. and, and Snake and all mm-hmm. of those guys, and I'm like, man – this, this might be where I need to play basketball. Yeah. And so when, like you said, when Coach Collins called you and you sat with him and you got to know him and you got mm-hmm. to talk to him, and we were, I was telling Eric yesterday, my grandmother loved him and she yeah. fell in love with him immediately, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. And so he, he has this way of making you feel like your family yeah, the does. very first time he talks to you. And mm-hmm. that's the same way that, you know, Illinois was at that time. Right. And hopefully we'll get back. Mm-hmm. To where they make you feel like your family. Yeah, and you know, hopefully, Coach Underwood. I mean, he has the blessing of the of the Mac Urban Fire, which is the top AAU program here in in, in Chicago. So that helps big, you. That's a big, big, <laughs> start, a big help. help and start right there. So because you know they have all all the top players playing for their their team. Yes. You know, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, that can result into something positive. But yeah, you know. The pipeline hopefully is is now reopening, you know, with Mark Smith going there, and uh, you know, let's look for 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 better things to come. I mean, you know, Coach Gross was a good friend of mine, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that he put his heart and soul in it. But you know, because of injuries and things like yes. that, you know, it you know it just didn't happen for him. But you know, we we can't miss the tournament four years in a row. No, you, you can't. Know, we can't do it. You know, and. What I was upset about is when I would listen to sports talk radio and people would say, well, Illinois is a mid-major program. I'm like, what the? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't oh, want to curse yeah. on him, but, you know, that, I mean, that really upset me. What are you talking about yes. with mid-major? That's one of the best jobs in the country. You know, all we need to do is be able to recruit and get our play- keep our homegrown players at home. By the way, that Final Four team, Speaking of homegrown players, was were, were, was made up of all Illinois players. Yeah, now, yeah. One Tony player, talked about that with now, Coach Collins. One, yeah, now one player, even outside of the walk-ons, were outside of the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can't tell me that we're a mid-major program. No. You but know, see, that's the talent we produce yeah. here in, in this city and in this state because every, every university, mm-hmm. whether it's a high major or mid-major, is coming to Chicago to recruit. Right. Or coming to the All state of, of Illinois to recruit. Yeah. Every last one of them. Yeah. So that'll tell you right there that this is not a mid-major program. We mm-hmm. just got to make sure that we, like you said, convince those kids to stay at home. Yeah. And I think they are on, heading in the right direction doing that. I think Coach Underwood has done the right thing, bringing in Chan. Like I said, mm-hmm. Ronald Coleman, who is a fire guy. He yeah. grew up with them. He knows mm-hmm. those guys the same as I do. Mm-hmm. You know, he brought in Orlando, uh, who was at Kentucky. So, you, right. you know, of course, he knows how to recruit those high majors. He's going to mm-hmm. have those contacts. So I think we're heading definitely in the right direction right. To, right. to get things back uh, rolling. But enough about Illinois, not enough about you. We got to talk about you, man. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, the CSN work, the Bulls <laughs> yeah. pre and post. Yeah, okay. How's okay. that going? 
Oh, it's going great. You yeah, know, yeah, I, tell us about the Bulls this year now, which well, that, that arrow well, may we, not be trending the same direction as Illinois. It may not be trending the same direction, but I don't think that, um, you know, the team is going to be down as, as long as everybody thinks it is. You know, I, I really like this kid, uh, Markinen from Arizona, yes. seven feet tall. He can, he can put the ball on the floor, and most importantly, he can shoot, which is what Fred Hoiberg has wanted in his system. Right. You know, uh, somebody that can spread the floor and, and knock down the three. Uh, Zach Levine, who I think is one of the brightest young players in the league, and, and a lot of people don't realize this kid's only 22 years old. You know, very young. Yes, he's coming off an ACL injury, but, you know, I'd rather have an ACL injury when I'm 22 rather than when I'm 29. Right. You know, and athleticism out of this world. We've all seen the two-time slam dunk champion. He was averaging 20 points a game before he hurt his knee uh, last year, and he was the third option on the team. Also shoots 40% from uh, three-point land. Mm -hmm. um, and they're looking at him for be the face of the franchise. You know, and, and what you want since, since, since you traded Derrick Rose, since you traded Jimmy Butler, guys athletically that could excite fans to, to put – Butts in the seats. And he can definitely do that. This is the guy <laughs> you want to put butts in the seats. I he's mean, got some swagger, He's too. got some swagger. And, you know, when he gets up there, uh, you know, out on the fast break, he's a highlight film. Right. Uh, and also, you know, coming with the trade for Jimmy Butler was Chris Dunn, too, who was the fifth pick in the draft last year, who I believe is going to have a breakout year. Because, look, under Coach Thibodeau, great coach, but no rookie. He's old school. No yes. rookies play under him. Okay, if you go back and you look at Jimmy Butler's time as a rookie under Thibodeau, he didn't hardly play. And I think the same thing happened with Chris Dunn. And this kid is 6'5", 6'6", can, can play the point guard. I think all he just needs is time. Right. You know? so, so what the Bulls did, you know, when they traded Derrick Rose, they said we wanted to get younger and more athletic. Well, they didn't do it last year. They waited a year later <laughs> to do that. And, and that's exactly uh, what they did with this trade. Jimmy was a great player for this franchise, but I believe that that the front office felt that you know we've we've gone as far as we can with Jimmy as right. as, as the head of the franchise, and um, you know and that was evident because you know in the past three years they made the playoffs two out of three years, only got to the first round and lost in in the first round. So uh, Jimmy, for all his hard work, has done done great. Got a big contract. 90 million, you know, for over, I believe, four or five years, a couple years ago. He's up in, in two years, and, uh, you know, he's going to get another deal, you know, but now he's on, he's got a chance to really do some things now because he's up there with uh, Minnesota, and, and they've got, they're loaded up there. They you are. Know? And, and he's exactly what they need as a veteran to help out. And he doesn't need to be the primary option. He doesn't need to be the primary option at all. And, and I think that's actually better for him that he's not, you know, because I think Jimmy plays extremely well when he's not the focus. You know, yeah, yeah. He, he's better, as we, we said earlier, he's better as Robin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Batman, and that's not yeah. a bad thing because right. I think he's going to be great for them uh, because they need someone like him. They uh, need that toughness. They need that old school mentality. They need a Tibbs out on the basketball court, and I think do. and I think that's what one of the things that he'll bring for them. 
Um, but I, I'm extremely excited about what the Bulls have have mm. going on. Yeah, you know, I, I'm still a little old school in my my train of thought, so mm. I don't like all of the three point shooting that it, that's going to occur. But yeah. that's today's basketball. That's today's basketball. You know, analytics. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, listen. You know what I think about analytics? Throw all that crap out of the door because analytics does not. It doesn't measure when you need a, a two, when you need a bucket. Okay. In between the three-point line, uh, about 15 to 17 feet, who's going to get that bucket for yes. it, it, Analytics it don't measure heart. It doesn't measure heart. There you go. Not at all. You know, who, who's going who's gonna to take that shot? You know, and, and look, I'm a big Derrick Rose fan, okay? I think that Derrick is – people are saying, well, he's going to come off the bench in, in Cleveland and everything. You guys realize that guy averaged 18 points a game last year? Yeah. As the third option in, in the triangle offense? Which is hard enough with which it itself because it's so which is hard controlling in a in a brand new system. And people are saying, "Well, you know, Isaiah Thomas is." I believe in in <laughs> I believe that every day in practice, Derrick Rose is going to say, "I am going to kill Isaiah Thomas." Yes, he may not be saying it outwardly, but inwardly, he's saying. Look, man, I averaged 18 a game. I could probably could have averaged 29 like Isaiah if I had the ball in my hand all, the whole uh-huh. time. I, I got one thing. Where is he from? Yo, he's from Chicago and Simeon. <laughs> <laughs> he's from there Simeon High School. We, we breed dogs in yeah. this state. We, yeah. we, don't breed, we don't breed puppies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we breed dogs. Yeah. So. Exactly. You know, I think, I think Derek is going to be like, look, there's only two MVPs on this team, and I can say that I'm one of them. Yep. And you're not. And, you know, I just think that Derek is eventually going to end up being a starter for that team. You know, and I think it'll be better for. I think it'll be better yeah. for Cleveland as a whole because he brings Isaiah's a, a tremendous score. But, yeah, he is. You know, yeah. when you're when you're five nine, you know there are there are some difficulties that'll face you. You know, later on down the road. Yeah. You, you know, when you have somebody and Derek's not the athlete that he was when he first came into the league, mm. but he's still a bit more athletic than eighty percent of the people oh. that's out there. Yeah. So eighty percent Derek Rose at six three six four is pretty doggone good. Pretty, pretty doggone good, man. And you know, he took, and I, and I, I said, you know, he took, he took a huge, huge pay cut. Mm-hmm. You know, two point one million all the way from what twenty million yeah. that he made this year. That makes you hungry, man. I mean, two point one million dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. Still, believe me. Now, I wish I was making two point one. You know, but <laughs> you I mean, and me both. That's, 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 that wasn't that's, the rookie contract. That's in like that's like orange juice money for these kids. Yeah, exactly. Playing. I mean, these guys are making thirty million dollars a year. I mean, that's nothing. So, uh, I believe that's going to motivate him too to get a Agreed. bigger contract. Being a former player, mm-hmm. being a fifteen-year vet, you you look at the game now. Mm-hmm. And you think about how it was when you played. Draw the comparison and what you think about the game today. Much easier. Um, when I played, it was much more physical. They've taken all the advantages away from the defensive players because before we could hand check, we could mm-hmm. be kind of rough uh, with the offensive player. We made you earn your yes. money. You know, now you can't even touch these guys. I mean, that's why you see Steph Curry being able to dribble all around and be, you know, do all these tricks and everything. And and shoot it. That's why you're able to see uh, Chris Paul do yeah. it, do what he does. You know, with the basketball. Even though they they're great talents, you know, mm-hmm. I still think if they played in, in in my era, they would still do well, but not as well as they're doing now because right. the rules were were a lot different then. You know, and, and that's why I tell uh, people that's the difference between Michael Jordan and Kobe. You know, Kobe 
Average what? I don't know, maybe 28 a game in his career, maybe? 27, yeah, 28? somewhere around there. Okay. Michael Jordan averaged 30-something, plus 30-plus points per game with hand-checking rules. Yes. Can you imagine what he would average if he didn't have hand-checking rules? <laughs> Probably and, about, and about 50. And lax, <laughs> lax flagrant foul calls. And, yeah, you know, yeah. the Alonzo mornings at the rim can't do Just what Alonzo used Lambeers. to do. Yeah. Charles Oakley, well, uh-huh. yeah, the Charles Oakleys, the Anthony yeah. Masons, the Rick Mahorns. Yes. They've taken all those guys out of the game now. You know, now you have Draymond Green out there, you know, and, and they don't allow Draymond Green to do any of that. You know, uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot different. Um, it's the league wanted to promote more scoring, and that's exactly what they've yeah. done, you know, make the game more exciting. So uh, a lot different, uh, but I prefer my era. You know, I, I love the physicality. You're still playing with those era. We got to ask about yes. the big three. You yeah. said former player Dion. This is current again. <laughs> no, the are. big three yeah, yeah. just had the championship too. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you get involved with that program? What's well, that been well, like? they, they reached out to me and asked me, did I want to uh, come out and uh, participate in, in competing the combine? And you know, I did. And actually, I wasn't drafted, which totally, totally. <laughs> I was going to say, totally, totally, you totally as a competitor, I know that's crazy. You know, because I went there and I killed everybody. You know, and I'm, and I'm wondering, I'm like, what? what is, when, you're I, when I wasn't drafted, shape, they start, I mean, you know, when I'm sitting at the draft and everybody's being drafted, and they start drafting guys that I've never heard of before. <laughs> wow. You know, and I look, I, I'm, I'm a basketball analyst. This is what I do for a living. I know everybody. I didn't know any of these guys, right? <laughs> so I'm looking in the thing, I'm like, this guy, I'm looking in the program, I was like, this guy played 55 games in the NBA and he's getting drafted. And I'm sitting over here, what, what are these guys doing? So what it was, and, and don't get me wrong, this is a great league that Ice Cube started, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it's run first class. Uh, it seems like you're just back in the NBA again. Right. You know, I think the competition was, was great throughout, throughout the season. It only lasted 10 weeks, but the competition was great throughout the season. But next, the, 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 the next year, I believe that they should put in uh, rules where you have to have played for years in the NBA, at least, you know, so that the people uh, and the fan support that you get, the people know who they're coming to watch. Right. You know, because some of the guys, and I, you know, listen, I, I don't try and take anything away from the guys, but bottom line, business is business. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have to have the fans know who they're paying to see. You know, and some of these guys, like I said, I, I still don't know some of these guys. You know, I was sitting there at the draft, and and, and, and they were calling these names. Then they started, hey, the the ball hogs choose Jake from State Farm. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, my name's not being called that. <laughs> so, but so, so were you a free agent so, signing? How did that? Yeah, work? I was a, I was a free agent <laughs> signing. So I so I'm working out one day, and and uh, I see a phone call from from L. A. from California. So I'm like, oh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that, that might be the big three. But then I'm like, nah, I was like, they're not calling me. So I put my phone down. I kept working out. Then I got a text, and it was Corey Maggetti. And mm-hmm. Corey uh, asked me to be a part of Team Power. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, man. You know, that's what I've been working for. So, so I went, and I joined the team. I played. I, I had a ball. Uh, we ended up um, finishing fourth in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, very competitive league. But... You know, I look forward to going back and competing again next year, uh, this time from start to finish. 
And, um, you know, like I said before, it's a great thing that Ice Cube started. It know? is. I, I, I like that. And I didn't know, when I first heard about it, I was like, man, I don't know how, yeah, this, don't know how right? this is yeah, going to go. Yeah. And, and after watching it, um, the whole format, of course, this is how we grew up playing yeah. basketball. Yeah. That three, three on three, three half court and yep. you're out there and you playing and mm-hmm. you really get the good out there and scrap. But I have to agree with you, some of these people that they were naming, I'm like, <laughs> who is that? <laughs> right. you, you know, and, and, you know, me having spent based my whole career in Europe, I was at least expecting to maybe hear some of these names from guys that yeah. have played over there and, and mm-hmm. guys that have played here because I, I kept up with it. And then now as a college analyst, mm-hmm. expecting to maybe hear some names. Right. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't know who these guys are. So I, maybe that was a little, okay, I know this person and this person knows mm-hmm. this person. And, and that's why. I, yeah. But, and, you know, some of it was based off of friendship. Yeah. I mean, because when we play three on three, we pick our friends. Yes. You know, we, we, we know that, you know, and, and I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of picks were based off of, you know, this is my guy. Right. So I'm going to pick him. It wasn't picked, uh, it wasn't based off of, okay, I'm picking the team that I believe is going to help win. Right. Uh, the top two teams did that. Trilogy, who ended up winning the whole thing, they went undefeated. And uh, three-headed monsters. They didn't pick based off of. They they pick based off. Okay, this is what we need to win. And, right. And that's why they finished one two. Uh, but you know, a lot more NBA players, a lot more uh, retired players are going to compete next year. There's there's rumors that Paul Pierce is going to come in and Kevin wow. Garnett may come in. Uh, I know Ice Cube has been lobbying Kobe Bryant to come in uh, and play. And I think that it's going to grow and it's going to help the league. Uh, and it's going to be a lot more competitive. And the one rule that I would make is to take the power of picking uh, the players out of the captain's hands. Mm-hmm. I would make it the coaches. The coaches, you should, they should be assigned, each team should be assigned a coach like Clyde Drexler, yes. Julius Irvin. Those guys didn't make the picks. They only coached. The, cap- uh, the, cap- the captains made mm-hmm. the picks. And yours is Catino Mobley, right? Catino Mobley yeah. and Corey Maggetti. Okay. So... Uh, you know, if they can have the coaches make the picks and they should assign the coaches maybe a GM. And then, you know, then I think that it'll be, com- com- it'll, it'll be much more competitive because those guys are going to pick, pick players, players yeah. to win. You're not going to pick their buddies. Yeah. You know, so. No, you I like that. Well, I think that's a great some idea. well-known guys on your team. And there, you're right. There were some guys that I looked at, and I'm like, I don't, when did he play? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had some well Deshaun Stevenson. Deshaun Stevenson, who, who, played, who played well, by the way. Paul McPherson, who played at DePaul. Yeah. Played at DePaul, uh, yeah. Raswell Butler. Uh, have you seen the uh, the picture, though, from, of Jerome Williams? I mean, yeah, I saw what, that What one. is up yeah. with that? Did you I, see I, that? Yeah, I mean, come like, on now. If I'm you're like, listening, yeah. go online now. Go yeah. to B3.com <laughs> and look up Jerome Williams. I, I wouldn't want to step on the court. Yeah, I was like JYD. No, don't, don't make that face again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what were the games like as far as, like, the, what was the difference? Obviously, three on three is different, mm. you know, than a full court game. What was skill level, uh, competitiveness? Skill what levels. was it like for anybody that didn't well, get to see it at UIC this year? Well, one thing is that guys have slowed down. You know, a lot. Yes. If, if you haven't been working out, guys, guys are not as fast as they used to be, okay? So now you have to rely on your skills. Your, your athleticism can't take, take over anymore. So, you have to, so that's why I believe the, the league was so good because everybody was showing that they had a very good skill level, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, like uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, 48 years old, yeah. was killing hmm. in the league. You know, everybody's like, oh, well, he's too old. No, he's not. And that's why he's one of the top players in the league because 
uh, his skill level was so high. He's not as fast as he used to be. Cause, right. you know, like I told you, I've mentioned this many times before, he's the hardest player I've ever had to guard, hmm. hands down, you know, even including Michael Jordan. You know, one-on-one, I could kind of stay with Michael. And, you know, he, he was going to get his points because he was that good. But Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf was 6-1 and fast. You knew, you knew the move that he was going to make, and you still couldn't stop it. Yeah. You know, you knew it was coming. So he still possesses those moves, but he's just not as fast with them. But he can trick you, and, and, and that's what I mean by the skill level. You know, his, his skill level was very high. That's why he succeeded in the league. Uh, and, and you're right about the skill level. And I think that's one of the things that we're kind of missing today. I think the skill level mm-hmm. has, has dropped off a little bit. Because I remember when I was coaching at the college level, uh-huh. you know, I'd get out on the court with the guys. And they'd be like, Coach, you're not going to score on me. You, you're not going to score. You can't jump. Right. You can't do this. <laughs> and then I score on them or I give them a little up and under or something. Yeah. I watch the birds go yeah, fly right. by. Yeah. And I'm like, boy, I can score on you anytime I want. Now, mm-hmm. I can't run and jump like I used to. Right. But from the free throw down, I will kill you because I know how to play basketball. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's what a lot of people are forgetting. You yeah. know, guys like yourself, you, yeah, you may not, well, we're going to put you in that category, <laughs> which we got to talk about that too. But, you know, guys that are in my category who don't run and jump like they used to, the knowledge of the game that we got when we were younger mm-hmm. and as we were coming up through high school and college, I think a lot of the, the kids have lost today mm-hmm. because they're either – playing all the time with AAU and you're not developing your skill uh-huh. or because you're so good, the coach just says, okay, here's the ball. Right. Go, go do what you do. Uh-huh. Um, you're absolutely right, B. I mean, and I, I bet you I could, we could go to an outdoor court right now. I could throw the ball down to you and post and you get 30. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's you know, one because, because you got skills. You don't, you don't, need, yeah. to, you don't yeah. need to do you're all the jeans. one, you know, the – the moves that I see my son doing, you yes. know, the, no, now my son has this thing. He's like, jelly. I'm like, what is jelly? <laughs> is it, he's like, when, when you finger roll, daddy, you do like this. I'm like, so, son, I said, we should just call that a finger roll. Exactly. <laughs> you tell him jelly soft. Like, you know jelly, I saw. like jelly. So, yeah, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's, it's the skills now that I think, you know, when players, like, say, for instance, the, the one and done kids. Mm-hmm. A lot of them still don't possess the skill levels that that, that they need when they go into the NBA. Yeah. You know, you have some some guys that can do it, like a Derrick Rose who was ready right away, a LeBron James who was ready right away. I think the kid De'Aaron Fox yeah. has a high skill level from Kentucky uh, who's ready right away. But for every one of them, there's three of them that, that are, are not. not ready. You know, and that's why I think that another rule should be put in where the NBA doesn't draft players until they at least finish two years of college basketball. I would agree. I've had that discussion. I like a three-year. I like a three-year, too. I love a three-year. One, because, you know, on the basketball court, they get to develop. You get to learn that skill level. On a personal level, Mm -hmm. you get to learn life. Right. You know, I'm there. Mm-hmm. now college isn't like real life, but you at least pick up some life skills right. while you're under the tutelage of your head coach and your assistant mm-hmm. coaches while you're there. So when you get to the league, you know, you're a little bit more mature. You're, yeah. you're a little, you know, you're, gr- you're not a grown man, but right. you're a man. Right. And, and I think, you know, so that's my, my, my take. I talk about this stuff a lot because I have people ask, what do you think about the one and done rule? I say it's a waste of time. Yeah. I was like, because you, you, you know, either you bring them in uh-huh. or you send them to school. 
you know, but now you got kids now that are just leaving and going straight to Europe. Now, I don't know how, you know, how long that's going to, yeah. you know, how long that's going to go. But the kids nowadays have this, and I think it's the, you know, we make fun of a lot of millennials about uh-huh. they want it without, you know, enduring the process. Right. And, and I think that's what a little bit longer time at the college level will also teach them is to endure the process. Because everybody, well, you know, you played in the league 15 years. Mm-hmm. When you came into the league, and I know when I went to camp and I did all this stuff, I had to carry bags. I had to bring yeah, yeah, donuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had yeah, to do yeah, all these other stuff. Because yeah. it's the process. Right. And, and I don't mm-hmm. think these kids today really get the process. No, and, you know, it's interesting you say that. I watched, uh, I guess they have a special on Ben Simmons. I don't know what yeah, it's called. one and done. One and done. I watched it. I sat there and watched it. I made my son watch it. I said, we're not going to do this. There you go. You know, if you get the opportunity, we're not We're not going to just go to college for three months and then bail. You know, we, college is an experience that you, you should go through. You yes. Know? And, and to me, there's too many kids now in AAU programs that I see around the country, their parents are there trying to make them pros in the eighth grade. You know, I saw one kid who goes to my son's school already committed to DePaul. He's in the eighth grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, man. How, how, does he, how does he know he really wants to go to DePaul at this point? Yes. You know, how, I mean, and if you go to DePaul, you're only going for three months. <laughs> Well, exactly. Ryan, Ryan Boatwright was in that situation. I think he committed, so he was out at East Aurora mm-hmm. and played at UConn ultimately, yeah. but he committed to USC, uh, to Tim Floyd, actually, as an eighth grader or freshman year maybe. And it clearly never never materialized. He committed yeah. to a couple schools in between. But, yeah, what's the point of making that commitment? As a college coach, that was always one of my dilemmas. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. understand why I would go or why they go and sit in the gym and you watch a seventh or eighth grader anyway. Yeah, because life takes place between that seventh and eighth grade year. But, you know, everyone was like, well, you need to be the first one there. Oh. Say, no, you don't need to be the first one there. You just need to be the right one there at right. the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, being, yeah. and offering an eighth, seventh or eighth grader uh, an NCAA, you know, uh, letter of intent to uh-huh. come and play for you. Uh, you know, no, no knock on DePaul because those are my guys up there. I like yeah. them all. But I just don't that mentality to me, I don't believe is is, is the right one. Um, so, yeah, you, you're doing the right thing because yeah. I think, you know, too many parents and, and having coached at, uh-huh. at those same AAU events as I'm sitting there and, hey, coach, you need to come check out my kid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know you've heard it all. Oh, right? my God. I'm like, hold on a minute. No, I'm not coming to check out your kid. They're right. playing with the fifth, the 14U team. Right, you know, yeah. You know, I'll come and catch you out in a couple of years. Right, yeah. You know, uh-huh. no disrespect, but, uh-huh. you know, who's to say what happens? Your son may not grow another inch, and right. he's playing center now, and he's right. 6'1". Right. Well, he may decide he likes he wants to be an architect. Exactly. He may not ever want to play the game right. again. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. So I applaud you for pointing your your, your son yeah, in the you, right direction, man. You know, I I, I think that I, I went to a AAU practice uh, earlier this um, this year during the school year. These kids, my son's age in the fourth grade, were at practice at nine o'clock at night. You know where my son is? He's in the bed. Yes. Nine o'clock. And, you know, I, I attribute a lot of the injuries to, to young players in the NBA to playing too much when they're young. You know, you look at Jabari Parker, who just had his second ACL, ACL. tear. Mm-hmm. He's been an AAU kid all the way through and through. Yes. You know, Derrick Rose was an AAU kid. You know, tore his knee up. And you look at uh, Rajon Rondo, tore his knee up. And the you know, list goes on and on and on. You know, when, when I was young, I played baseball in the summertime, basketball in the fall, 
um, football in the fall and basketball in the winter. Yeah. You know, that's how I did it. I you was going to say the specialization is what it is. I'm, yeah. I'm involved with baseball with my son, mm-hmm. and it's the same way. He's in fourth grade, and they've, they're cutting kids for travel programs at this age. And it's like, this is when they need to learn it. Yeah. And you can't, how do you, they're so far from a finished product right. that you have to give them the opportunity to do that. So <laughs> we kept, my, my team, we, we've got 13 kids, which is probably three more than I need, but I'm not going to cut anybody. Let's keep them. Yeah, you know, what if you cut a kid who who could be a great player in the future and you demoralize them? Well, yeah, and you, well, yeah. And, and the yeah. skill that they can build in the offseason while they're playing other sports, hopefully. And mm-hmm. then to your point, too, uh, you know, kid decides, I don't want to play baseball when he gets to eighth grade. He's going to go play football. Well, all of a sudden, we, we start losing kids, and now we've got nothing to backfill. We've got right. no other kids yeah. to come in and do it because well, they've been left behind. And, and as a recruiter, I always recruited kids that were dual-sport athletes. Oh, okay. I, I didn't really look for kids that were specializing in, in this. This is all I'm concentrating on. One, because right. I, I loved football players. I wanted a right. kid that played football and basketball. Why? Because I knew he was going to come in. He was going to be physical. I didn't right, have to yeah. worry about him uh-huh. taking contact. But, you know, these kids are specializing in things so early right now that you're right. They're in practice. They're in individual practices till 9, 10 o'clock yeah. at night. Now yeah, you don't crazy. have to rest. Now you play AAU. Then you have to come back and play high school. Then you right back to playing AAU. Right. What playing multiple sports, and I, I talked to a buddy of mine that's an orthopedic surgeon, is your body has an opportunity, one, to give it to get rest uh-huh. because you're not training the exact same muscles all the right. time doing the exact same thing. I get to switch up and do something else. So now those muscles and tendons and things get somewhat of a, a, a rest. Right. And then if I'm playing another sport, now other parts of my body tend to have an opportunity to get a rest. Mm-hmm. And you're right. So this over, I guess, training and definitely mm-hmm. overplaying and just beating your body up yep. with the same things over and over and over again doesn't give it an opportunity to uh, to rest or, or to recuperate from from mm-hmm. the pounding, and you're right. This is why I think we have. Uh, I agree with you. We have so many injuries mm-hmm. um, nowadays from just the the, the, the overuse. Yeah, and, and beating you know, up of the body. What I tell what I tell parents all the time is like, well, well, because they come up to me and ask, well, what AAU program should I put my son in? I mean, I'm you know, I think my son has talent. And uh, you know we're going, we're doing this, we're doing that. We we got we had a compression leg boots on. We're in a cryo chamber, and I'm like hey, weighted fast at age yeah, six. Weighted yes. fast. Yeah, weighted fast. Yeah, I'm like, hey, listen, if you're good, they're gonna find you. Yeah, you don't have to do any of that. Okay, just let your kid be a kid, because if if you keep going the way you're going, you're gonna either burn them out, or you know you're gonna you're gonna get them injured. One, one or the other, yes. and uh, that's why I don't do that. That's what that's the advice that I give to people. You know, it, it's you, you can't. And, and, and for these parents out here that that are in AAU programs, your kid is have to, has to want it. It can't yeah. be you. <laughs> you know, because I feel that's like a the big parents, problem. I feel like the parents want it more than the kid. Yes. You know that that's a big problem today. You know, you may have a, a mom or a dad that thought they were an athlete when they were playing it, so now they're putting all that pressure on their yeah. kid to be the next LeBron James. Or mm-hmm. they're looking at what these guys are making today and, okay, we got to get you there, right. which is, I don't know which one is worse, but they're both bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Some of the coaches, too, I mean, yeah. that who are encouraging the specialization or you have to play with me and you're going to do practices five days a week and do all this. And there's no – the only advantage to that is – and they'll tell parents, you need to do this if you want your kid to get a scholarship. But the only advantage is to the coaches that are yeah. getting 
to get a win or get a shoe deal in basketball or right. in baseball, you know, hopefully get a kid that gets drafted. So, so, so that's true that, that AAU programs get shoe deals? And yes, there, there are some. Um, uh, you know, we talk about the fire. The, uh, the fire before when their dad was there, they had Adidas. Now they're uh, with Nike. You know, so there are shoe deals that are being thrown around and the, the, the shoe companies <laughs> are paying money. And then even, you know, having believe. been on the college level, if, say, I'm a Nike school, uh-huh. there are even some that are, okay, you're a Nike team, or my AAU go, okay, we got to send you to a Nike school. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, so See, this, I had no idea that yes. was going There's on. There's influences beyond what you expect. Oh, yeah. And, and a lot of parents, and I don't, I don't, I can't knock most of the parents because most of them just don't understand. Right. They don't know. Uh, and if I have to go and ask my AAU coach, he's trying to get a college job or he's trying to get the shoe deal or uh, he's, you know, we don't have guys like your high school coach or like my high school coach that was all about you. Right. That was about developing you as a man. That was about, you know, developing you as a player, probably second or third down the line. Okay. And, and that's not what I'm seeing or what I was seeing when I was sitting in people's gyms all the time. But, you know, so, but we're talking about all this exercise. Yeah. I, I want to go back. So you, you guys, <laughs> well, you got something no, to go there. His exercise, man. You haven't seen the Kendall Gill videos? You better, you better wake up, man. Clearly, I haven't. That's I've why he that. still looks like he's going on 50, right? I'm 46. Yeah, I'll be so, 50 in uh, May. And he looks like he's 20. Uh, no, I don't, man. I don't feel like it. <laughs> what got you into boxing, first and foremost? Well, you know, I, I boxed... Um, when I was eight years old at a, at a day camp on uh, 82nd and Racine, um, my parents used to send us there. Cause of course, you know, everybody thinks that, that, that I'm from the suburbs, but I'm really from 82nd and Sangamon in, in the city. And I got my start uh, at Foster Park. Mm-hmm. Who um, played a lot in that gym. Yeah, yeah. I got my start <laughs> at Foster Park. And, um, you know, my parents used to send me to a day camp where they had boxing. So... That's where I started to box. And then when we moved out to the suburbs, that's actually where I picked up basketball. So I did like the reverse because most kids in the city play basketball. You know, right. But because I was originally a, a baseball player than a boxer. Mm-hmm. So after I retired from, from basketball, I decided to go ahead and realize my dream, which is become a professional boxer. And, and I had already studied uh, while I was playing. I already, I, in the summer times, I was studying Muay Thai boxing and jiu-jitsu. So, you know, I was into MMA before it got big. Mm-hmm. You know, I studied under a guy by the name of Benny Jufrani uh, here on the north side of Chicago. He taught me a lot of things. He taught me all about grappling, submissions, and, and everything. But my true love was boxing. So... After I retired, I said, okay, I want to go and do this. And I went and did it. And, uh, you know, I'm the, I haven't looked back since. The training is phenomenal. I wish I had trained as a, as a boxer while I was playing basketball in the offseason because it would, have, it would have changed a lot of things in my career. You mm-hmm. know, I said I probably would have two or three. I always joke. I said if I had done this, I'd probably have two or three MVP trophies. I don't know whether that's true, <laughs> but that's the way I feel. So... Uh, because Mr. Jordan might have had something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, well, uh, well, go on, sorry. Well, well, physically, physically, if, if I had trained yeah. like I train now as a, as a professional fighter, um, you know, I I could I could do the same things as Michael. Did, yeah. You know, back then when I was 25, 20, 26, 28, um, 
you know, because boxing, it, it works on your fast twitch muscle fibers, your reflexes, your, your endurance is off of the charts, okay? I was actually, when I first started training, I was like 38, and I, and I was training for, one, for my second fight. And I, I took a break from training that day and we just went to play. Mm-hmm. And I was playing with D. Wade and all those guys. I was running circles around those guys. And it's because I was training with basketball. And they were in shape, but they right. were in basketball shape. They weren't in fight shape. It's, it's a big difference, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I give you a perfect example. When, when, when I was, uh, when I went to, to first start training, I was in basketball shape. It was right after the, my last NBA season. So I was in pretty good shape. And they put me in a ring with a girl. Okay, and I'm like, come on, man. What is it? Put me in here with this girl, man. She's like, no, go, go ahead. And she was a real fighter. She beat that crap out of me. Okay? <laughs> All because I didn't have the reflexes. I didn't have the timing. I didn't have the endurance that she had, right. and and she embarrassed me, you know. And you know that's the only time I can don't tell anybody. That. We <laughs> we'll edit that out. Yeah, I promise. That out. I promise. We'll take. But that you out. know what? I think that goes back. That's a great point because I think that goes back to what we were just talking about about specializing in, yeah. in one sport. But when you do something crossover like this, uh-huh. then you you're training a totally different way. Yeah. And I talked to a buddy of mine when I was in Spain that he was a boxer. Mm-hmm. And he said that that's the hardest training that he's ever done because he was a triathlete also. So yeah. he, he did triathlons and mm-hmm. things like that. And he was like, Dion, but when I box and my training for boxing is the hardest thing I've ever done ever. It's the hardest by far. You know why? Because the endurance that you have to have, you know, you're not only punching, but you, you have to condition your body to take punches. You have to condition your body to get out of the way of punches and you're constantly moving. It's not, and you're in there by yourself. You don't have any teammates, and you can't call a timeout. You know, in basketball, when we get tired, we yeah, call a timeout. Or we hold our hand up and say, Coach, take me out of the game. Tug on the jersey. Yeah, you, can't, you <laughs> cannot do that. You, you have to stay in there and, and take whatever's coming to you. I mean, we, you guys just saw what happened this weekend with, just yes. say. with Conor McGregor, okay? Did you notice Floyd Mayweather did not get tired? Yeah. yeah. And Conor he, after McGregor. the fight, he made a point to say, this yes. is, you know, it's almost like he intended to just let's let this go and we'll show him what boxing is like. Yeah, well, so the endurance. Part. If you hear at the end, Conor McGregor even said it. He was like, "I'm dead." When when he stopped the fight, he was like, "I'm dead." Yeah, he was like, "I'm dead." So yeah, yeah. he didn't have any more endurance, and that's a guy that knows, and that's a guy that's a combat guy. Mm-hmm. But he stepped into the boxing arena, and it's totally different. Now I give you a perfect example. When after my after my second fight, I was training for my third fight, and the first two well well the first two fights they were kind of easy. So I was like, well, okay, well I don't have to train that hard. So. My trainer said, okay, come on in. I want you to spar with the novice Golden Gloves champion here in Chicago. I'm like, okay, I'll come in. And I had, I've, I've been training, but not training hard. Right. So I go in there, and, you know, I'm dealing with him in the first round. I'm giving him everything, you know. And I noticed that his eyes cut and everything, so I said, okay, I'm doing pretty well. But then all of a sudden, second round, the bear gets on my back because I haven't been doing my road work. I haven't been doing all of the work that I, I should be doing in the gym. And... I'm getting so tired. As a matter of fact, that's, I, I thought I was going to die. I was so tired. I mean, really. I was like, I cannot make it. So then as the round goes on, I hear the 32nd bell ring. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it out of the round. Then I can get out of the ring because I can't go another round. So next thing I know, I'm jumping rope, right? So I'm jumping rope after the sparring session, and, and I'm jumping. And I asked my trainer, I said, hey, how did I get this rope in my hand? Then he's like, you don't remember? Then I was like, no. Like, you got knocked out. <laughs> I 
I was like, what? He's like, yeah, put the rope down. If you don't remember, you got a concussion. Go home right now. So that is when I knew, don't ever get in that ring unless you are totally fit, you know, because you can get hurt in, in, in the boxing ring. I mean, I, got, I, never, I didn't even know what happened. As a matter of wow. fact, this happened, this happened maybe when I was 38, so 11 years ago. I just found out what punch I got hit with two years ago. My friend told me. <laughs> he said, I said, hey, by the way, what do you remember? What did I get hit with? You know, he said, oh, you got hit with an uppercut. I was like, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> wow. So, so and, and, and that's the thing, man. That's why some, unfortunately, some boxers die in the ring, you know, because of the punishment that you take. And, uh, you know, I, 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 when, when you step inside those rings, you find out who you are. Mm-hmm. Really. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I can best describe it. And, and you don't play ba- you play basketball, you don't play boxing. You know, that's why, that's why I would love for basketball players to go in there in the offseason to box. Right. You know, because it changes everything for you. You know, it changes your attitude. It changes your, your conditioning, your reflexes, everything. And then when you get ready for basketball training camp, you by far, you're four or five steps ahead of everybody else. You know, that's why I wish I had done it during my career. All right, well, hey, well, there's the next bo- there's the next business model. <laughs> Let's get NBA players training like boxers. Yeah, you're right. Well, look, Betty gets get high school and younger <laughs> players training like boxers, so they'll learn what it is. And like you said, you, you play basketball, you don't play boxing. I yeah, love I that. Boxing, yeah. I want to ask a quick question. You guys mentioned you were talking about with high schoolers and the one and done. Um, and Kendall, you stayed for the four years. Mm-hmm. The things that you learn when you're there, and you guys talked about the college experience, and if you go, you're one, you go out into the NBA and you're reliant, you have to find some good veterans on the team that can lead you. You know, the adversity that you would face, Kendall, is, is um, you know, the final four year uh, yeah. when you broke your foot. Right. You, know, you get a chance to get those frustrations in, I would say, a smaller venue or a less, I don't know, less pressure filled. There's not the financial piece to it. Right. Um, I mean, what was that like? What you know, looking back on that and that final four season, I remember the fans were were really freaked out. If for those that don't remember, that was in the January game against Georgia Tech that you got hurt at yeah. the very end of the game, a double overtime game. But uh, mm-hmm. you were out until I was out the, for like uh, I believe two months, maybe um, until we played Iowa. Mm-hmm. It was senior day, uh, and and that's when I came back. But that team, I tell you, man, that was the best team I've ever played on. Um, and we weren't very tall. I mean, Marcus Liberty was 6'8". He was our tallest player. And he wasn't the center. He played actually small forward. Um, but the one thing that made us different than everybody else, we were like Chicago tough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, even, yeah. even the guys downstate were Chicago tough. Like Larry Smith and Steve Bart, all of guys. Mm-hmm. It seemed like we had we just didn't care what you did. We were going to beat you anyway, yeah. and uh, led by Kenny Battle, and and let me tell you, without Kenny Battle, none of this happens, you know, because he was the engine that made us go, um, and we followed his lead. You know, he was uh, Kenny is a Doberman that doesn't need a pack of Dobermans. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. That's what Kitty Battle is, you know. It, it, but, but he was the leader of the pack, you know, a lot, and, and the rest of us followed him. And because we saw him being so tough, that's why, that's why we were so – I mean, we already had naturally in us, but Kenny gave us that extra, you know, toughness. And also we played above the rim, yeah. you know, and uh, we played fast. Uh, 
you know, a lot of those guys, I, I, say, I said if I ever got into a barroom brawl, I would take my brother and my flying line of teammates, you know, if, if, I, if I had to fight somebody, you know, because I know all those guys would do it. Yes, you know? sir. And, and no, that's, got your that, back. That, that's why we, that's, that's what made that team special. I mean, anytime you can, I remember the bragging rights game against Missouri, we came back from 18 down. Yeah. You know, all led by Kenny Battle. It, you go back, you can YouTube that game and watch it and see what Kenny Battle does. Uh, when we're when Kenny Battle gets hurt and Lowell Hamilton get hurt, gets hurt when we play in Louisville and mm-hmm. uh, I believe in the regionals up in Minnesota. You know, now we got to play against Purvis Ellison and all those guys from Louisville. You know, and Denny Crum and I'm like, oh, how are we gonna win this game? But that toughness. Big you know, Irvin Small. Small. Irvin Small comes <laughs> off of the bench and, and plays the biggest game of his life, you know, for us against Purvis uh, Ellison. Um, you know, Larry Smith comes off and plays big. Then, then we go into the game against Syracuse. And Kenny is still hurt, but he's living, but he's, but yeah. he's being effective. Lowell Hamilton has a sprained ankle. But Nick Anderson, man, you know, Nick just, oh, he just took control of that whole game. You know, his toughness inside and, and, you know, I mentioned earlier that he was a man amongst boys. He showed it in, in those two games, especially against Louisville and, and, and Syracuse. So, you know, and, you know, Coach Henson did a great job of managing us because that team was full of different personalities. Yeah. But and, and, and different talent levels, but he managed it perfectly, you know. And uh, to me, I believe that's the best team that won a national championship. I think you're, you're not the only one. Yeah. yeah. Who, how did you get the long long shorts? Oh, that's what I was about. I was story. just about yeah. to hear that, man. I was going to say, yeah, I want to hear this. Whose idea was that, and how yeah, did you get those was mine. It was mine, actually, yeah. because, because I, I, I got tired of wearing those Daisy Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, coach, they coach had us wearing, you know, the first couple of years, and we, we just asked could we have them longer, you know. And, uh, you know, Michael Jordan had just come out in, in, in 84, and, you know, he was sporting the, the longer shorts, and, uh, coach agreed, and I was surprised that he agreed because coach doesn't bend on much. No, you know, he does he not. Does, does be, uh, no, he does not. As a matter of fact, that's what I was. I'm glad you said that because I was gonna say, you know, everybody's talking about Michigan started these long. Oh shorts. no, they didn't. No, no, that started long no. before those guys got no, there with you guys, man. And and I, I thank you. Okay. Yeah. You still look at those either. now, though, and they don't look that long anymore. And you no, watch yeah. it. Now they're not that long. I mean, no, these kids are now wearing, wearing but, but you see shorts. what they're doing now. All of the kids are rolling their shorts back up to get back yeah. to the length that your shorts was in. Yeah. 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 I mean, because Michigan took it to a different. I mean, their, their shorts yeah. are way too long. You know, ours were long, but they were they were still, you know, above the knee. Above the knee. <laughs> and, and fashionable. I mean, they still had good taste, you know. Right. But, um, you know, now, and I'm glad we're out of the era where kids are wearing their pants off of their butts and stuff, you know, because I actually played with two guys like that here with the Bulls, Eddie Curry and uh, Tyson Chandler. And yeah, I tell them, look, guys, I was like, would you guys be pros and just pull your pants up, man? You're not supposed to wear it. But Kendall, this is the style. This is the style. I'm like, okay, young fella. And they would call me OG. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, OG. Come on, OG. I like listen. Don't call me OG, okay? Oh, you know I'm glad you weren't the only one. Because yeah, they call you OG the kids, too. You know, I got the younger kids coming over. Same thing, teacher. Right, yeah. Man, don't do this. You got to do this. They start calling me old school. Right, right. They walk in the private like old school. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you know, and, and and you'll probably agree with this. I well, no, you won't, because most NBA coaches are older than their players. Uh-huh. I knew it was time for me to retire uh-huh. when I was older than my head coach. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay, I'm done with this one. Yeah, uh, you, I'm done. You, you know when I when I knew it was, re- was time for me to retire, I'm in Milwaukee, and I'm walking down the hall with these guys, and they're they're talking, and I understand the words that are coming out of their mouth, but I have no idea what they're talking about. Oh. I have no, I mean, I'm like, what are they talking about? I understand the words, but I don't know what they're talking I'm like, okay, that's it. That's it for me. You know, that's it. <laughs> it's time for me to go home now. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny you say that because now my, my daughters and my both my daughters, they do their little YouTube channel. Yeah. You know, they, well, dad, we're going to make a YouTube channel. So they, they have now, my wife and I are going to be the topic of their YouTube channel. They're uh, going to translate uh, you know how we speak and the, how they speak today. They thought we gonna give you guys all the uh, the new <laughs> the new words that we use and see if you know what the meaning is and then yeah, we can translate you know? it for you. Oh, we haven't done it yet. Oh yeah. Now, you know my wife is from Israel, so yeah, yeah. you know that's our second language is English. She's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I say, well, if I'm doing it, you doing it. So I, I understand completely where you come from. And yeah. these these kids nowadays have their own language, but I do have to agree with you. I'm so glad they're pulling their pants up. Even if they're rolling them up, I'm glad they're pulling them up. Yeah, that's great. Well, I thought you had some. No, No. what else you got? Oh, no, this is great, man. I mean, we've been in Kendall's hair enough, but (laughs) I I tell you, brother, I appreciate you, man, and I have to go back to to way back when I came in as a freshman, Mm -hmm. and we had that party at your house, and y'all kind of pranked me a little bit, but... (laughs) Wait, go on. Stop. No, we're not telling that story. No, okay. But I want to tell you how much I appreciate you, Larry Smith, and Irvin Small. Okay. My freshman year, when I came into Illinois, I thought I knew what it was to be an Illini for one, what it was to be. And I had a great team at, at, at Simeon, but what it was to really feel like a team. And when I was going through all that stuff my freshman year, uh-huh. and it was difficult for me, you guys kind of right. uh, uh, cuffed me and, and took me in and, mm. and made me feel good. So for me, this, this is a big honor. And I've, oh, never, well, to- and I've never told you this, well, but this is a big honor, man. Right. I, I appreciate this. I, I've mm. always looked up to you and – and to Larry and, mm. and to Steve Bardo and mm. to um, Irvin, of course. Irvin was my first teacher of basketball, right. Irvin Small, because that's how Bob Hambrick did it. Mm. And I, I thank you, and I thank uh. you for allowing us to, to come in here and sit with you, bro, and, and okay. invite us into your lovely home. Thank you. I appreciate so, it, man. And, I, and, and, and thank you, Dion, for, for saying that. And, you know, what we did is just to align our way. You know, we take care of our yes, players. Sir. We take care of our family. And, uh you know, that's that's the way that it was when I was there. Hopefully it, it continues to be that way. Uh, and, you know, we we expect nothing less from each other. Exactly. You know, and that's how, that's how we were with the Flying Illini. And, um, you know, that's the way we are now. And that's the way we're going to stay. Okay. I hope we get the, get you down there in Champaign, even though you might not know what those kids are talking about. Yeah. You could still be a huge influence on those kids because I guarantee they know who you are still. They know who you thank are. You. Thank it's you. It's important. Thank you. So... Thanks for joining us for this chat with Kendall Gill. It was a great time, and big thanks, as always, to Painless Networking and Chris Hartwig for sharing his Painless Network podcast airways with us. Chris hosts great sports guests each week on his Painless Network podcast. Check those out, as well as our previous installments with Coach Lou Henson and new Illini women's coach Nancy Faye. And thanks to Marty Casey for letting us use Coming Around for our music. His new album is coming out, is out, The Ground You Walk On, on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Play. For Deanne Thomas, I'm Eric Schmidt. 
Thanks for posting up with us on the fadeaway. Swish. <laughs> it pulls my heart to the floor back where I was before. These walls are climbing high. The truth gets harder to hide. Step through the open door. Gotta see it to believe it. I try to resist, but.